We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too bad. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the Eurostep Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish, one of your hosts, joined as always by the bubbly Rohan Kadi. Rohan, already cracking up. How's it going, sir? Uh, I'm doing very, very well. It's uh, It's been a good weekend, a uh, good time, and uh, I get to talk Bucks basketball. What else could you ask for in Lifetime? I don't know. I mean, this is pretty much, you know, some personal things aside, family, friends. This is pretty much it. It's pretty much all I need. Let's get down into it. The big news. We have a giveaway. I think we'll circle back. We got to talk Chris Middleton right now, dude. We have been talking all season with bated breath about the arrival of Chris Middleton because, you know, not sure if you had heard this, Rohan. He hadn't played all year dealing with the knee injury, and then the wrist injury, and then a tragedy in the family, as detailed by Jim Ozarski. We covered more of that stuff on the last podcast we did before he returned. That's all done now. Chris is back. He made his debut on Friday night against the Lakers. The Bucks may have lost, but Chris, I thought, looked excellent. 17 points, 7 assists, 2 rebounds for Chris in the debut. The middies look sharp. He's shooting 75% from 3 really picking up where he left off as a human flamethrower. Rohan, do you agree with that basic assessment? And what else did you see from Chris in his debut? First and foremost, it's amazing that he looked that efficient when he hadn't played basketball since May. Like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, the, this is a, you guys talked about this on Win and Six, the last episode here on the Eurostep Podcast Network feed. Make sure you subscribe if you're not already. GSPN.info. But it's, it's exactly. the same feed. It's the same feed, but find all the shows at GSPN.info. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, plus Discord access, mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. It's awesome. Uh, but you guys detailed how, how, like, it, it's exciting to see Chris Middleton back first and foremost, but I did not expect him to look this good right away. You would you would expect some level of rust. You would expect some level of like sort of 
okay, you're not in rhythm yet. You need to get up to game speed because we know that he had been practicing with the Wisconsin herd. He'd been assigned there a few times because the Bucks as a team don't really practice. So it's uh no it's NBA teams do. By the no, way, not just no. a Bucks thing. Just just so no one listening is like, oh, why don't they practice? They should do that. There's just not there's not time with the season, how many games there are, etc. Yeah. Plus, uh, especially a team like the Bucks, who has so much cohesion. They've and old been guys. like, yeah, and old guys. You want to be able to save guys. You just there, there's no need really at this point, especially for a team that's gearing for the postseason rather than the regular season. A team like Milwaukee does not need to practice as much. It's not a bad thing. Don't worry. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, it's amazing to see that he did not need to get a few games under a system before he got into a rhythm. He came ready. It's like the, the saying, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. He stayed ready, even though he just resumed basketball activities like a few weeks ago. Yeah, for the it's, most recent time. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous to see. So, so happy for our guy, Chris Middleton. Mm. This We've always been a pro Chris Middleton podcast. Yeah. It's like he, like you said, the midi looked good. The three-pointer looked good. His jumper overall. His playmaking looked fantastic. And mm. once he got the ball in his hands and was able to create you, you could instantly see, oh, yeah, this is what this team has been missing. Yeah. Just another guy who can do things with the ball in his hands, who you can trust, who is dependable. I'm I'm just I'm overjoyed talking about Chris Middleton right now. Ty. Yeah, I mean, I am, too. We talked about some of those possessions where that like the offense just felt kind of listless or Drew or Drew or Chris take or not Chris Drew or Giannis takes a bad shot, whatever, where it's like, oh, they're just missing something. As we kind of knew all that, like they were missing Chris Middleton. That was it. And like there's a couple of possessions in the Lakers game. We've only seen him once. He and the other, the other two of the big three all sat out against Charlotte. We'll probably talk about that game a little bit. I didn't get to watch it live. I know you did catch at least most yep. of it. Um, cool to grab a win there and, and stay firmly in second in the East, even without all those guys playing. Um, but so we've seen Chris the one game, but there were some possessions where it's like, you know, the offense, nothing's really happening. No one's getting an advantage. Swing it around to him behind the arc. And he just like makes a semi-contested three. And it's like, oh, that was easy. That was pretty nice to just be able to do that whenever you want. Oh, yeah. I forget the Bucks. That's kind of how their offense has worked all these years. And that's like the ultimate. He's like a tight end in football. He's the ultimate safety valve. If nothing else is working at literally any point, you can just hand the ball to Chris Middleton and be like, hey, can you do something good? And Chris is like, yeah, I can. I was re-watching yeah. his top 10 career plays. And number one, according to NBA.com, I don't know if I agree with this, but it's the Celtics playoff with 0.8 seconds left. Oh, uh, the half court? Pretty much half court, yeah. I think he's slightly inside of it, but he's pretty close to it. And it's just like that is the ultimate Chris Middleton. Like, you know, there's some variance with Chris. We all know this. But there's 0.8 seconds left. You just need someone to shoot immediately and doesn't matter if he's covered. Like that's Chris, and that's he does little versions of that all the time. The playmaking stood out, and I I almost feel like this may have been maybe a focus for him as he was out and maybe watching and and working on like the mental aspect of the game because it did feel like I don't know maybe it's just that we haven't seen him in so long. And Drew is a good playmaker, and we got to watch him. It just felt so easy for Chris because of his combination of shooting and playmaking. You know, he did. He had a couple bad plays. I don't think he was actually. He was had no turnovers though. Officially, I think. I think it was like almost a turnover, and the Bucks ended up with it. Um, the play I'm thinking of, but 
I don't know. It just felt like he was slicing through the Lakers defense like a hot knife through butter. Is that a new one for you? No, I've heard that. I'm one. good. Okay, that. that's pretty. Yeah. That's that one's been around. So I'm glad. I'm glad you tuned in there. I think Mark Jones likes that one. Hotter than fish grease. <laughs> Such a good one. Um, Chris was hotter than fish grease, but the playmaking. I was just like, wow, that's that's really impressive to see. Everything looks so sharp right away. Do you feel like that was just Chris's playmaking, or do you think it was like I like I do, like a little bit beyond what we'd see on a normal basis? I mean, you could. It's fair to say it's a little bit above a normal uh, game for Chris Middleton, like. If he if he's averaging seven assists per game right now for the entire season, which he is because he's played one game this season, that's that would be the highest of his career. Like he he's been hovering around six assists these past few seasons, uh, like five five and a half. Like it's just it's getting up there. Yeah, but it's never been this high. So I would say it, it is an above average game, and it feels like it was an above average game. Like obviously assists don't tell the entire story in terms of creation uh, for an offense. But just the way he was being decisive in his passes, in his reads, it looked like, yeah, this is Chris. This is a guy who's actually leveled up his basketball IQ in terms of being an actual playmaker. It just looks so easy. I mean, Chris is never effortless. Just effortless. Never, yeah, like, and, it, and that's so impressive because we all know, or maybe some people don't. Maybe some people are such new Bucks fans they haven't watched that much Chris. I kind of forget that's like possible. Probably not likely, but it is possible. Doesn't have the tightest handle. That's like probably Chris's biggest bugaboo outside of general consistency. I think the two are pretty linked, right? But I don't know. It didn't look like, obviously, I wasn't watching like, oh, my God, is that 2016 Kyrie Irving out there? Like, it was still Chris. It wasn't like some crazy dribble packages. But it Can just, you be Paul George? Like, Even that's a, I mean, Paul George is a hell of a – Yeah, that's He doesn't right. even have to be that. I mean, Kawhi. Kawhi's handle, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Kawhi just has monster hands, so if he's in trouble, he can just palm it at any point. But I guess a lot of NBA players could probably do that too. I, I digress. I don't know. I just really – I loved how easy it looked for Chris in the first game back. You know, I'm sure there will be some bumps in the road as he gets all the way acclimated, but I sure am happy that the Bucks were diligent about taking their time and making sure that he was in game shape because it really looked like he was. He only played a little under 27 minutes. Also, that's another like point for the it was a different level of Chris playmaking because it was higher than his career average in like way less minutes. I mean, Chris is usually low 30s, six minutes, not a ton, but it's not nothing either. You know, he racked up those assists pretty quickly. But that extra time Bud talked about, like making sure, you know, he was ramped up and ready. He sure looked ready. And I think you'd much rather have to wait a couple more weeks than to get an unfinished rehab Chris where, you know, he's looking a little gassed out there. It just doesn't look right. Whatever the process was, it seems like they really nailed it on this. Oh, for sure. One thing the Bucs are very good at is making sure their guys are right when they come back. Medical staff does an amazing job, a tremendous job, just sort of making sure guys are ready to come back and be healthy. And that's another example in Chris Middleton. Like he came back and he's ready to go. It's it's so nice. I can't wait to see him play again because obviously, like you mentioned, he sat out the Hornets game. It's a back to back. You don't want to you don't want to play a guy on the second night of a back to back. I have I have a tirade. I have a tirade. Okay, go go. It wasn't just a back to back. It's a back to back. The NBA should ban. I mean, not ban is just not schedule anymore. It's up to them. 
It was a sub 24 hours between tip back to back. So it was 6.30 the first game when they played the Lakers in Milwaukee. And then the next game was 5 p.m. Central time because they were playing in Charlotte the next night. That's insane to me. Sub yeah, 24 sub- hours. Because you road, know home road back to back. Yeah, I mean, Charlotte is you know not the world's longest trip or anything, but it's still you still travel. You know, after either night of or early morning after a game, and it's just like sub twenty four hours. Because you know, even if it's like like seven p.m. seven p.m. back to back, it's still less than twenty four hours. Like between the end of a game and the start of the next game, that's fine. There's only so much you can do about that with NBA time slots, but there should not be like 18 hours between the end of a game and the start of a next game. I just feel like, you know, of course the Bucks were going to rest Chris and some other guys. The Hornets didn't look good either. They played the night before. I know the league is trying to minimize back-to-backs, but I think they should really ensure that there are no, you know, 6.30 and then 5 p.m. the same time zone tips. Like that's just too quick of a turnaround. So thankfully, as we've talked about, this is a very deep Bucks team, and they were able to just have different people step up and kind of make up for that. And you know, and the Hornets TA, are really bad. Yeah, that helps too. That helps too for sure. But I mean, just like you know, Mamu, AJ Green, AJ Green seemed to play pretty well. TA, I got some run. Bobby Brooks stepped up. I don't know how Brooks doing it. I don't know. We know Brooks likes to play. We know in years past it's been a story, right? Like he doesn't want to sit game eighty two, even though the seating is set. Whatever else. I can't believe how many games he's played this season. It's not right? we even thought, a game, like we, right? We yeah, we talked before the season about how like potentially Surge coming back is like Brooke Lopez insurance because you're gonna be you're gonna be resting Brooke more. Nope. <laughs> Apparently not. Like he's it's playing, just not happening. He's playing thirty one minutes a game, has played all twenty two of the games. So he's by by default pretty much leading the Bucks in total minutes then I'm I'm sure. And the efficiency is higher than ever. He's done. We have to circle back to this, the like the starting lineup decision that was made when Chris came back. But I can't stop talking about Brooke now that I'm started. I say the same things about Brooke every time. The 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 the, the analysis. There's no update. He's still fucking awesome. I have to. It's a censored episode now. Sorry, folks, but it's Brooke Lopez. I mean, you looking at what has he got? 15 points per game, 49 percent from the field, 41 percent from deep. The Noah. Changing lives out here, 82% from free throw, just under six rebounds, over one assist, which is nice for a big guy, 0.6 steals, three blocks per game. Oh, we do have, we have Brooke News we can talk about with this. Oh, yeah, 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 true, true, true. What was this, Woj on a TV show? Yeah, it was. I think, on NBA Today. I don't know, we can pull it up, but he basically said there's interest from both sides in either an extension or just re-signing him after his deal is up. His bird rights are there. So that it's not like they they for sure lose him if they don't extend him. They have until the end of the regular season, though, I believe, if they want to do it early. This was also being talked about a little before that news. Al Horford signed a pretty reasonable extension for a couple of years in Boston. A similar deal, even if it's a little more money per year or more or more years. I don't care. I Like, get Brooke. We need Brooke. Look at this man. Like... I trust him to age gracefully because we're seeing it happen. Yes. So the reporting was that uh, uh, the Bucks and Brooke Lopez are prioritizing a contract extension, uh, either in this season or following the season in the summer, and that Milwaukee wants Brooke Lopez to finish his career there. 
which is just like that's just that's just speaking that's my love language right there like whatever whatever category that is it's that uh just so we can see brooke lopez retire and milwaukee buck have him go into the hall of fame as a milwaukee buck have him go up into the rafters with mm. that number 11 jersey hanging in five we might need to start a new line right here if the we extension do. gets done that would we might have to we um, do yeah, at least five numbers going up. Bobby, yep. I think, is probably the next closest. He's on the I'd way. I'd say so. He's on the yeah. way. Brooke is awesome. He's he's the he's top three, four center in Bucks history. Well, he can't be one. Unfortunately. No, he can't. I love you, Brooke. <laughs> he can't be one. I don't think he's two either. You think what Bogut or like Bob Lanier or something? Bob, but by the time Bob Lanier was on the Bucks, though, I mean, That's fair. He, it was a part of a great era for sure. I, I gotta look. I gotta look just to reconfirm. I, I think I might give the edge to Brooke here, though. So he's he's at least top three. How about that? Early early Bucks tenure, Bob Lanier was like fourteen and seven. He made one All Star team with the Bucks. I think it's I one mean, of those. Brooks, Brooks made zero though. For now. For now, for I mean, now, that it, should change this year. He it should, should be change. In there. Let's 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 have a little bit of that conversation. Okay. How many? Yeah. How many? How many centers? I know they're not going to do uh, centers for all star. It's front court and yeah. guard. But, but the like, coaches how many, will want a center or two on the team. Yeah. How many centers in the East are playing better than Brook Lopez? One. One. Um, it's people. Some some it's, Bucks fans will say zero. Embiid is still. It's no. Better. It's it, Embiid yeah. is yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's one. Realistically, Miles Turner's up there. He's having, having a good, having a good. He really wants to get traded. Probably won't yeah. be on the Pacers by the time they have the All Star game. And that's fine. <laughs> just clearing another spot because yeah. he wants. He he's already bought real estate in L.A. Like at this yeah. rate, I don't know if he has or not. But uh, mm, yeah, it's just yeah. Like, Bam is Bam is good and always going to be in consideration. I'm not saying he was better. I'm just saying he's gonna merit. He's gonna. He's gonna get conversation. How about that? Sure. Maybe. Maybe be an above 500 team. Yeah, I think I would try it personally. Yeah, you know, just like maybe give that a shot for yeah. once, man. I, I I think it's been pretty fun to be honest. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get some heat for that. Uh, They've got uh, enough to worry about. Uh, get some, right get some heat yeah, for that. Yeah, that's good what yeah. you did there. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, Brooke Lopez just absolutely sensational. He deserves to be an all-star this season. He deserves all NBA consideration this season. Yeah, I mean, they still do a center for that, don't they? They do. They do. Yeah, he could end up one of the best three centers in the league this year. I mean, like top two are already locked up. but Yeah. It would be nice if they did end up putting two of them on the same team, but I don't think they will. No, after last season, they're not going to. Yeah. Ever. That kind of set the precedent. Yeah, I mean, like, Minnesota imploding helps Brooks' chances there. I think I'm probably forgetting someone who's going to end up being Aiden? obvious. Aiden yeah, is yeah, he's having a good year. It'll be tough, though. I'll take like, the he's, he's up there. Yeah, yeah I'll, take an I'll take any sort of recognition as long as he gets that defensive player of the year. Yeah, but early signs are good. There's a lot of time to go, but the early buzz has been good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. Okay. Before before we got, uh, yeah. it fell in love with Brooke Lopez again. Easy to do. He's very easy to do. Um, he was fighting, fighting mascots in Charlotte. It was awesome. Man. Uh, we were we were talking about the starting lineup. Yeah, starting lineup change. So you guys, you Adam and Jordan on the last one and six, as I alluded to earlier, talked about the um, who who would you rather uh, start. Or, or bench in this instance, Javon Carter or Grayson Allen? Who would you rather send to the bench? Adam and Jordan, having morphed into one cute couple, have both chosen uh, Javon Carter no. to go to the bench. Adam, Adam agreed with me, but also agreed with Jordan. They've become the same person because Adam sat on the fence. Adam was <laughs> like, true. I agree with both of you. I think Javon, I'm pretty sure, I maybe I misremember things, but I, I'm pretty sure he said, I think Javon should start, but I think Jordan made a bunch of great points about Grayson. I was like, okay, what compelling radio? <laughs> okay, regardless, uh, I I am inclined to agree with you, Ty, and say that Javon Carter was the guy who should start. Um, it just because you you get the defensive versatility that you unlock. Drew Holiday is able to be you can you can be more flexible in who you put Drew on. Uh, you can uh, have another ball handler out there. Um, just just hard nosed defense out there at all times. And like Grayson, if he's coming off the bench, can theoretically get hot in that role. I just early returns. We've had one game, one game sample. The starting lineup did look all right. Like Grayson looked fine next to Chris. Like I I have no issue with that. Javon looked like he sort of did not have a rhythm. Which is that something to do with? Is it is it a one game thing or is it a disruption of rhythm in his first game this season coming off the bench? That's something that needs to be monitored going forward because there is potential. Like, hey, Javon Carter, he started every single game for the Milwaukee Bucks this season. Now his first game, he's coming off the bench. That's going to disrupt your rhythm a little bit. You have to come in and get hot immediately, otherwise you're going to throw off the rhythm. And it's it's a difficult adjustment to make. Is that it's just something we're going to need to monitor going forward? Yeah. Do you, my my biggest question, and again, it's too bad we've only had one game so far. We'll obviously circle back and dig more into what we see. But is it possible it was a matchup thing with the Lakers being pretty big and pretty big centric? And does Bud look at this and go, "Yeah, Troy Brown, good player. You know, we're not that worried about Troy Brown." Patrick Beverly made a three in that game. I think they had to release Doves in Staples Center by law because it's such a rare occurrence. We're not that concerned offensively about Patrick Beverly. I, I, that's what I'm curious about. If they come out, who is, I don't even know who they play next because I didn't do my research. Next up is the Magic. 
Not a good example. They have zero guards. But then the Kings with De'Aaron Fox. Do we see Grayson start, assuming everyone plays both games, which they should. There's time off around them. Does Grayson start against the Magic, who I think are playing bigger? Because, again, all of their guards are hurt. Or at least last time I checked. Maybe somewhere back now. And then do we see Javon Carter start against the Kings? Because, obviously, De'Aaron Fox is a problem and, and is a small guard. Or is it just locked in? That's my number one question now. It would not be very bud to switch the starting lineup based on regular season matchups. That said, I do feel like he has been more like making adjustments, maybe not all that have been that great before needing to or necessarily like not in game, right? Like we saw a lot of doubling against Embiid and Philly, which is not something the Bucks do very often. Just like from the jump. And maybe you could argue it worked. It didn't work. MB didn't shoot well. He did pass very well, though. And that kind of crushed them in that game. So, and, and Lu- the way they defended Luka, like they they never gave Luka a sw- They tried not to give Luka switches. They would show and then try to get his defender back on him. So we are seeing, I think, Bud being a little more flexible in the regular season, night to night. I don't know if that'll apply to the starting lineup, though. But that's what, what do you think that's possible? And what would your thoughts be on that? I think it's possible, but it's not likely. Yeah. Just given the track record. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've seen it maybe a little bit in the past, like last regular season, a little bit as we wind down the season, but it's just, it's not, it's not, it's not his MO. That's not what Bud does. And that, that seemed, yeah. and that wasn't Matt, that wasn't night to night. That was like Wes took the job last year. Yeah. I think that's a little, a little different than what I'm proposing is like, oh, team with multiple smaller guards and multiple dangerous guards more, more accurately. Let's throw Javon in well, there. We, we've seen, we've seen it a little bit in the sense, like if someone's out and yeah. you have to find then like then a place, yeah. then there's more game to game adjustments. Like if yeah. it's a bigger team, you're going to start Bobby. Yeah. If it's a smaller team, you'll start Grayson or Javon, Pat. Pat. Exactly. Like we've seen that. But in terms of like the actual starting five, we have not really seen that. Yeah, that's a that's a good good distinction. It'll be interesting to monitor over these next couple of weeks. I'm still team Javon. I thought Grayson and the starters looked really good. And I think looking thinking back on our conversation, Jordan's perspective was very much like what's going to be best for some of the players involved, like Grayson, for example. I don't care about that as much as the good of the team. And I do think the way Grayson's shooting, I think that makes his case better. And not like just the accuracy, but like he's running around pin downs and letting it fly, which is not something we've consistently seen from him. And him playing like that is does change things for his fit with the starters. That said, currently I still do lean Javon Carter as the optimal fifth starter because I think the Bucks win with defense more often than not, uh, or at least more often than winning with offense. And I like leaning into that. I like weaponizing Drew on the defensive end. And I think Javon is a good fifth starter. I do worry, will there be the possessions for him? There wasn't when he came off the bench. I think that's the number one thing is would like to see him used a little bit more offensively as well as defensively, no matter where he is, because he's shown us like he's got ball handling chops. He's got shooting and scoring chops. His usage has been too inconsistent for the skill level he has shown. That's, and whether that's bench or starters, like I would honestly, if obviously they would never say this publicly or out loud, but if the reasoning was, we think over time, 
we can weaponize. I keep saying weaponize, but we can get the ball in Javon's hands better and get him more consistent usage if we bring him off the bench. I would say fine. You know what? I would understand that, and it is about who closes anyway. But yeah, it's just it'll be interesting to monitor, and and I think I don't think there's a glaringly wrong answer, even though I do prefer one over the other. No, for sure. Like we saw, Grayson looked really good with the starters. We've seen that in the past. That's why he was starting the majority of last regular season. It's it's like I I really really have no I'm not I'm not upset that Grayson's starting. You know, like would I prefer Javon? Yes, but is Grayson a good option too? Absolutely. Could it work out really well? Absolutely. That's of course that's an option. It's just it's all about what can you do to maximize the skill set. Would Javon also look good with Chris back in the lineup? Most likely, you know, it, it, yeah. like Chris being like the rising tide raises all shifts. Lifts all thing, boats. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I I got an expression. Let's go. That was good. Yeah. Uh, thank you. So, <laughs> uh, so the, Chris being back, does, does that unlock a new level of Javon as a starter? We we don't know. We yeah. won't know until until it, until we see it. You know. I I also wonder is this partially about Grayson being more of a dog on defense this year? It might like yeah. Credit to, credit to him. Yeah, he's making insane defensive plays every single game now. Like he's he's getting rear contest blocks into baseline saves that transition to fast breaks, and I'm like, this is Grayson Allen. This is this is my boy Groyson or whatever people are calling him. Like this is it, like the strides he's making. We have to remember how old is Grayson? Like he's he's very he's still a young guy. He's 27. So thank 27. you for saying that. Yeah, yeah, he's a young guy. <laughs> Couple of young guys, me and Grayson. I'm 27. Young. Like he, yeah, you're basically yeah. just entering the prime of your career, like your physical prime. Oh, like. Well, you, you like it's true. No, I know it's true. I know. Yeah, but you know, there's still room to develop there, and he's making the strides. He's all he's had the athleticism. He has the basketball IQ. Now he's just he's putting it all together. Like he's he's big. He has a six six wingspan. He has a plus two wingspan. Like it's it maybe he's just putting it together now, and that's awesome. Maybe that's this extension is going to look like a joke next year. Who knows? Career highs in free throw percentage, re, or not re, yeah, rebounds per 36 and per game. I just wanted to do per, per 36 to make sure. And assists per 36 too. And if you, if you recall, that was sneakily my biggest issue with Groyson was that he was not moving the ball enough for how often he touched it. He's addressed it. And does he have some abhorrent turnovers? Yes. Yes, he does. But not as many. He's still rocking a two assist to turnover ratio this season. He's over one steal per 36, second best mark in his career versus the kind of his breakout season in Memphis where he started a lot of games for them for the year before he came over to the Bucs. Uh, right now would be a career high in three point percentage. Like he's just doing a lot of really important things well. Kind of, kind of killing the Jay Crowder buzz. A little a bit. A little bit. A little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. Like what? What is Jay Crowder providing right now that Grayson isn't right now? Probably still more defense. More defense. Yeah. But do you do you need that on this team right now? Maybe you do because of segue time. A concerning development was with Wesley Matthews. 
my guy Wes. Everyone who listens, who is our guy Wes? Our guy Wes for sure. But uh, uh, Zippy, I came up with Zippy. I've been very pro Wes. You have too. I'm not taking this away from you, but I'm just saying I have been very pro Wes. Hurts my heart to see what's going on this season. It's not just the offense. The offense is bad. The reading materials are being... They're distributed. I've got them right here in front of me. This is the reading... This is Shea Serrano's book. But (laughs) imagine it's Wes Matthews maybe washed reading materials. It's good reading material, though. That is a good... Yeah, I was digging back through it. But, like, the, the numbers look worse than they are. He's not making his threes. He's also looks like he's shooting 33% from two. He is, but he's four for 12. So it's a really small sample. I'm not going to get too worked up about that just yet. Most concerning the Laker game, LeBron is just like backdoor cutting him to death and just like getting around him. And Grayson for the last few years has relied on strength and intelligence more than Wes. speed. Wes oh, what did I say, Grayson? Grayson. Oh, yeah. No, Grayson has not relied on those things. That, well, I'm not saying... I digress. Wes Matthews has relied on strength and, and intelligence more than speed defensively. But on the one hand, is yes, it's LeBron James, one of the best players ever. On the other hand, it's 38-year-old LeBron. It's not exactly like contending with one of the fastest wings in the game out there. And it just looked so easy to get around Wes. And it was really bad. He was active but did not play against Charlotte. I don't know if there was any reporting on if that was just a healthy scratch or what. I assume... Probably just a DMP without calling it that, or I guess technically calling it that, whatever. Um, but not marking him as out before the game is what I mean. It's not been good. So I, I think if there is a pro Crowder case, it's less about Grayson. It's not like, oh, we need to get rid of Grayson. No, Grayson's playing well. I still won't fully trust him till playoffs, in playoffs. Nothing he can do about that until then, though, except keep playing well. It's more looking at Wes and going, Oh, our first option off the bench for a big wing is not looking very good on either end. It's early. I'm not totally giving up. I'm just saying the signs are not good. Yeah, it's it's not looking good. This is why in recent games you've started to see Wes Matthews and his minutes sort of decline. You don't sometimes you don't see him until the second half, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, Wes Wes Matthews like. Love Wes Matthews, like you said earlier, just, you know, Marquette guy and everything. But, like, it's tough to watch out there. It's it's getting to the point where I, I'm glad we brought this up because I was thinking this uh, before the Laker game on, uh, was that Friday? Yeah, Friday. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, before, before the Laker game, I was thinking – I really need to see what Wes Matthews does in this game because I'm starting to think he's a little cooked. Yeah. And then I watched the Laker game. It's really I was like, bad. Maybe the worst of, his, he, of the season. He might be cooked. <laughs> he, he might be cooked. He might be cooked, Ty. Like, yeah. is there a chance? Is there a chance that he's just taking it easy, coasting the regular season, saving it a, his energy? Because remember, it's just December. It is just December. But everything he says is that he doesn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like he wants maybe, to start, maybe he wants to play maybe 40 he's playing minutes. four, five, six dimensional chess. Hopefully, yeah, just tricking us all for no real reason. Shooting free throws well. I'd hope so. <laughs> uh, uh, for like the two he gets every point four per game. 
Yeah, two every month, isn't it? <laughs> isn't yeah, pretty much. Else? Yeah. Um, but it's just I I don't like seeing it. Like you mentioned, the the like him getting backdoor cut and him just losing guys and him just like not having even a little bit of a step uh to to keep up with guys on the defensive end. It's just not like we obviously we don't expect anything from him on the offensive end except like hit catch and shoot threes. Like say, maybe a little, maybe a little bit more than we're seeing here. Yeah, I mean, like what he's sub thirty percent from three on the season. Twenty nine point eight. Yeah, it's yeah, and he's not even getting that many shots up in a game. One of the Lakers misses, like it was a bad. It just fell into Anthony Davis's hands. Yeah, it was like a pass. This maybe. Is tough. And I think it is. It, I think he's kind of lumped in there with George Hill by some. George has been better. Not George has good. been better. Not good, but better. I mean, he's on the borderline of good. He's somehow shooting twenty nine percent from three, and sixty eight percent from free throw. What is going on, George? <laughs> okay, when you say when you put it like that. <laughs> and he's just like he's just out there. He's five points per game. Like yeah, it's fine. I mean he does quietly good things. The plus minus when he's on there is good. He is, does have two point five assists per game without playing all that much. I would prefer if he just wasn't a part of the everyday rotation though. Yeah, like, like if it's a, if it's a Charlotte game, that's when you play him. A lot. But yeah, but the issue is he's playing a pretty decent amount so far. Yeah, maybe that's part of the reason why you see Javon Carter going to the bench. So he can be that backup point guard. Yeah. Rather than George Hill. Yeah. And I, mean, I think I yeah. I think we we came into the season thinking it was going to be a little bit of a battle to see who's going to have a higher spot, Javon Carter or George Hill. That's not even a question at no. this point anymore. It's no. not even like if you're asking the question, you you are outing yourself that you do not watch any basketball. Uh, yeah, and people, I know people are still worried. I think they're going to be worried until the playoffs. But if you look at the last few games here, it was kind of close in the Charlotte game. Their minutes twenty eight to twenty six, but that's just a weird game for a lot of reasons. If you look at the Lakers game coming off the bench, Javon played twenty minutes. George Hill played nine. So it's been. Pretty still decisively more Javon than than George so far, which is good. I think Javon's better. We're just gonna <laughs> set setting angles aside, which I'm just gonna keep continue to do. If your first four off the bench, let's just assume the starters stay the same for now, is Javon Carter, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis. I guess your first three off the bench. I don't know who the fourth one is, but that first three off the bench is damn good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe Serge, we haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, the non-COVID illness has him and Marjan out for a while. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a tweet that he, he's just been cooking up some weird stuff for the team. That's just led to non-COVID illness. You wouldn't think it would get him, though. I mean, he, he has to taste test his own food. That's true. I just, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like he would just be, like, immune to whatever he cooks. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just been rampant. Make sure you guys are up to date on your vaccines, yeah. by the way. Got my flu uh, shot. I got the flu once. Never again. It's bad. Yeah. yeah, just it's it's very easy, very simple. Make sure you guys do that. Yeah. Uh, but it's just yeah. First three off the bench, they are solid. And even it, even if it, it's a deep playoff series, three off the bench is fine. Like that's all you need, realistically. And we know we know there's going to be a move at some point. There will be a Trader John. How do you what? What are your updated WARA thoughts? I didn't get to watch the Charlotte game. Seemed like he played pretty well. Believe he got an upstock. He did. 
How, what, what do you think? I know the shooting numbers are really bad. I still feel like he's played better than the numbers. He's 35.9% from the field, 35.8% from three. So just nothing is falling. I think if, if he went on a little bit of a heater to normalize those numbers, I think he'd be like a pretty average rotation player, which is good. That's progress. It's it. He looked fine in the Charlotte game. Like he he shot really well from the field. What was he? Seven of eleven from the field. Two of four from three. Yes, yeah, on the come up a little bit. Yeah, it was very good. He he missed uh, as many threes as he did free throws. He was one of three from mm. the free throw line. Uh, Bucks are a bad. They're they're bottom of the league. Not number thirty, I think, but close to the bottom of the league in free throws. Right. Oh yeah. And yeah. rate and rate. I should say. Yeah, and percentage. I meant percentage. I did not mean. I think they draw a lot because Giannis just draws a lot. But I think percentage wise, they they are very very low. Yeah, I mean, you love to see the team learning a lot from Giannis, but like maybe not that. You know, <laughs> the Giannis. rest of the Bucks, Luca, just bricking them all just to be more like Giannis. Yep. Uh, um, but Jordan Jordan Wars look fine. Do I think Bud's going to trust him at all? Uh, I think he's going to no. <laughs> um, I still think he's there just to be traded. But I don't know. He he's looked he's looked better. He's looked fine. Nothing's wowed me. Like the Charlotte game is probably not a good example because you have zero of the big three playing. But it's just I don't know. I'm I'm still a little bit out on Jordan Wara. Um, but that's just that's just where I'm at. They are 27th in free throw percentage. 15 worse. Um, in order, the Spurs are 28th. They just it's all young guys. I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. The Mavericks because Luca can't make them, and he's probably the only one who takes them. And then Memphis is last. Taylor Jenkins that one, brought that That over. one I didn't expect. I did not expect Memphis. I guess Jama's not shooting very. I mean, it all has to have. It all has something to do with the best players, right? Because they yeah, take yeah. and a big amount of the total. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I yeah, think Stephen Adams doesn't shoot well, if I recall correctly. Yeah, what is Jama shooting from the free throw line this year? Seventy-four percent. Stephen 70. Adams, thirty percent. Whoa. And Xavier Tillman, he plays less, but still 30% as well. Wow. Yikes. 30%. That's like worse than Ben Simmons. 0.9 of three per game is Steven Adams' free throw. That is, whew. Yeah, like playoff Ben Simmons, uh, last time we saw him in the playoffs, was 34.2%. And it's like, oh, my God, that is, this is the worst guy we've ever seen. Now that Memphis has two guys doing worse than that? Kennedy Chandler also at 30%. He just hasn't played much, though. Yeah, that's fair. Ben Simmons this year, 54% on the come up. Yeah. I, 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 da- Bucks fans dangerously can't throw close, Bucks Dangerously fans, close yeah. to Giannis. Yeah, yeah Bucks fans can't like, throw stones with the free throws right now. Uh, what, is, what is Giannis at right now? He's at 61%. He's at, that's despicable. That's yeah, <laughs> really bad. bad. Um, Were you buying into the the he's changing his thing during the Lakers game because they counted and he got hit with the violation? No, I mean it happens. Every I know game. that's the the issue with Giannis is he changes his form all the time. Yeah, so I'm not going to buy that. I've watched too much Giannis games to actually buy into that because <laughs> it's like, oh, every time there's a national TV broadcast, they'll say it's a different. Hey, they're changing routine. Go into a detail. It's like, oh, this is a different uh, thing than we talked about last national TV game. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, kind yeah, it's of a completely new routine. We're like three iterations past that one already. I just, you know, 
this is such a bad way to segue into Giannis, but it's like I'm not one of the people who gets worked up if they call him. No, of course not. He, like he should stop breaking the rule. Like it's it's a bad justification for it to be like. Then you should call it more. Like hey, let's not say that. Let's he'd only be able to shoot half of his free throws if they called it accurately every time. I just think he should shoot them faster. I don't. It can't be worse, right? Like I, I'm also on board with him trying the granny shot thing, the um, Rick Barry free throw. Because again, how could it really get worse? It's pretty bad. He had a good yeah. game against LA, though. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Against the Lakers, I believe. Maybe he cleaned he was, it up a little bit. He was. Let me pull it up real quick. He was eight of eleven. Yeah, pretty good for Giannis. Free throw yeah, seventy-two point seven percent. That's good. That's a good day for Giannis. I hate that so much. I know, uh, but uh, it's uh, yeah. Like I, I, I hate that this is the segue to Giannis too, because Giannis is everything for this yeah. team, and like the still straw remains. that stirs the drink. Sure, I've used that one before. You can't. Yeah, you have. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, have. you can't be surprised at that one. I wasn't surprised. I was more surprised. Like I guess. It. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't like that one. Yeah. Uh, but Giannis has just been absolutely incredible still. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, he's 8 of 11 from the line. He has 40 points. He's chased down blocking everyone. Yeah. He's he's doing run and dunk man things, which is nice to see. Like, it's it's funny how we're, <laughs> we've transitioned from, wow, Giannis is more than run and dunk man, to do, hey, Giannis do more run and dunk man things. <laughs> but well, uh, when the jumper is as bad as it has been for him, hopefully that turns around soon. I don't know. I mean, it can only go up. Realistically, technically, no. Realistically, Tec- hopefully, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I will hopefully, say, yeah. cool moment. Uh, I, when he he chased down the nice chase down, it was on LeBron, and he, it, LeBron is still a great player right now, but like, kind of just looked so like it looked like like one of those nature things where there's like a baby deer and like a lion, right? And I was just like, it reminded me of. That all-star game, I think it was the first Elam ending all-star game, and they were going at it. And Giannis, I think LeBron's team ends up winning, but Giannis yeah, blocked, but he blocked the point. Blocked the fadeaway. That's what it but, was. Uh, yeah, and I, at that point, I remember it still being kind of a conversation about, you know, is, is Giannis on that level? Is Giannis better? Whatever. And it's just kind of fun that we've got from now. Just like, yeah, he is. Like, yeah, he's no, he's it's, it's not even. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not that. It's not. He's on the level. It's. Yeah, is that's what LeBron-y, I mean. It's it's like is LeBron even close to Giannis yeah. <laughs> at this point? It's, Which is like it's we're getting to the twilight of LeBron's career. Like obviously yeah. he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game of basketball. All respect to him, but it's just like he's not that guy right now. And there's yeah. no there's no shame in that. Like no. he's 38 years old. There's no shame in that. No, but it is just it just it reminded me of that moment, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember when that was that was a thing way back. Oh then. yeah, it's nice. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's nice to have these moments where you're like, yeah, Giannis is the best player on the freaking planet. He's like, him. Yeah, he's him. He rhymes. With, have you seen those memes where it's like uh, all these images rhyme and it's like Rim, uh, Kim, like Jim from The Office, and then like a picture of a player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, good. Uh, uh, but yeah, he's him. He's continues to be him. Uh, what do you What are your thoughts on uh, Giannis and the MVP conversation? I'm not too passionate about it just because I, I think by his standards, he hasn't played his best ball for the last couple of weeks. I thought the first month or so of the season, I think he was the clear MVP. I think since like early to mid-ish November, he's had some great moments, but on the whole, 
he has not he's been great, but he's been like at or below the greatness bar that you expect from him, right? And I think I don't know who I guess Tatum right now would be one of the like by default guys because they're first and he's playing really well. He played poorly against Miami, I know, but on the whole, he's playing great this season. I mean, I I just think I, I would need to see him level uh, back up to that at least close to that early season of like, oh my god, Giannis versus for for minutes on minutes on minutes, not just like. Oh yeah, Giannis got his way to you know thirty five points. That's great. He had a good game. He had a good Giannis game. We take him for granted. I get it, but I, I just think he's not been up there. I think he should be in the conversation right now, but I don't think he's like a clear winner right now in the season to me. Yeah, I don't think he's anywhere close to below the level of like an MVP. Like like I if he if the season ended today and he won MVP, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't say he doesn't deserve it. No, I but wouldn't I, expect I would, him to win, but I wouldn't, yeah. I would think he deserved it. Yeah, of course, 100%. But when you see the way guys like Jason Tatum are playing, I, I think it's honestly just Tatum at this point because Lucas' team isn't good enough. They're dog shit. Uh, Jason Kidd doing Jason Kidd things. Yeah. And I think like Steph has been unbelievable, but kind of the same thing. The Warriors just haven't, been, they're rising now, I think, because they don't play Watchmen. Yeah. I mean, that's like, Hard to figure out what was going wrong there. They sent James Wise. <laughs> We're all trying to figure out the guy who did this. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, uh, I watched that now. I wa- I know the reference. Oh yeah, now. I watched right. that skit. I think you should. Yeah. That's a good one. Make time for yeah. this coming soon. Um, but it's like Tatum. Tatum shooting poorly from three. Thirty point eight points, eight rebounds, four and a half assists, fifty eight percent from two, thirty five percent from three. Best team in the NBA. That's kind of open and shut. I'll yeah. be honest. That's that's kind of an open and shut MVP case. It is superstar but, numbers, like huge impact, best team. Okay, but but season's not over. No, no, no. It's, there's a lot of is what sixty, yeah, ish games to go. No, yeah. less than that. that many? I think it's exactly. I think it's exactly sixty. We played twenty two only. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sixty games to go. Um, so a lot of, a lot of basketball to be played and the Bucks are only one and a half games behind Boston yeah. right now. Yeah. So I, I think Giannis is, it, it's probably almost better because I feel like it's pretty rare lately. Oh, and also Jokic, Jokic is putting a monster numbers. He's not going to yeah. win MVP. Yeah. Yeah. They'd have to be much better. I mean, there's, there is time, but I no, said he's, this he, the, he shouldn't win it. Like if Giannis doesn't win his third in a row, Jokic shouldn't. He would have to do something. They'd have to be insanely good, and they're just not. Yeah, they like, have if to they be won seventy games. Then sure, seven, they'd have it. to win seventy four games. No, opinion. they wouldn't have to win seventy four. I, I think so. I don't think. Unless the Celtics won like sixty eight, or the Bucks did, in which case then they might have to win seventy four. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. The awards talk. It's it's obviously very early, but I think Giannis is. Well, I was gonna say. It doesn't – I feel like early season favorites don't usually win MVP these days. Maybe I'm wrong. But like how much buzz well, has it's been? Because it's been Luka the last three years. And Embiid. <laughs> it's Luka and Embiid are always the two guys. And they never end up that – I mean Embiid's finished second twice, but they never end up winning it. Yeah. It's just – it's not how that works. Maybe maybe Giannis in his second year. Yeah. That was the last time. Steph, Maybe. No, yeah, I don't even think 15, yeah. 16, probably him. Yeah. Cause they yeah. were just like, geez, what do you do with that? Yeah. It was that, it was coming off the title. 
Yeah. And then they go, they win 73 games. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably the last time where it was like, oh, yeah. But that's, that's like seven years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the problem now is the media who does the MVP coverage and gets the votes, they're just more interested in like making a point than they are in doing a good job giving out the award. And it's very stupid. Like, give it to the most valuable player. You can argue about what that means, but there's all this like, Oh, what would it mean if Jason Tatum won? I don't know. Let's see him win it. Like, if he goes out and wins it, fine. But I just hate this framework of like a oh, narrative-based and, voter. Embiid has been second two in a row. It's really his time. Let's see if it's his time. It shouldn't be his time based on what happened with the voting last year or what people think about him. It should be his time based on oh, they're first in the conference and he's lighting it up and they're way better when he plays. Exactly. Preaching to the choir here, Ty. I know. Let's talk about Drew um, Holiday. Yeah, quickly. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all right. I think very promising, and I think a little telling, honestly, that he had one of his best games of the year immediately when Chris comes back and kind of takes, not pressure, not like I think Drew is crumbling, but just takes some of the offensive load off of Drew Holiday, a player who you know we have and can continue to argue about who is the number two in terms of talent or whatever, who's better between Drew and Chris. The debate can be whatever. Clearly, offensively, it's Giannis, then Chris, then Drew. And I think having Chris back, hopefully full-time, knock on wood here, will be very beneficial to Drew, who just everything looked easier for him, and I think it just probably will be easier for him. I don't think that's just playing the Lakers. I think there's probably going to be a knock-on effect of, Chris coming back, like everyone's life now, just is so much simpler. For sure. That's something – it's it's like getting being knocked down a peg in the hierarchy. The totem pole. Yeah, totem pole. It's just like, yeah, you have your number two guy back uh, offensively. Yeah, Drew Holiday, you have a much lighter load. You don't have to force as much. You don't have to be relied upon as much to do that. You don't have to have as high a usage rate. To be able to make some weird decisions as a playmaker, throw some weird passes, take some weird shots. I think that'll still happen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get too carried hey, away. Hey, with I the mean, we, we we can hope, you know. Yeah, we can hope. <clears throat> but yes, it. I, I'm glad you said it's not coincidence that Drew has one of his best games when Chris comes back because that's that's what you want to see when your three best players are healthy, your core guys are healthy and playing together. They should they should raise each other up. They should be playing well off of each other. And that's what we saw with Drew Holiday uh, in Chris Middleton's return. And he's still racking up assists. He's always going to get those. He's always going to be a solid playmaker. Uh, he's going to have his gaffes. He's going to have his mistakes. But he's going to put. He's going to be productive on the offensive end. Yeah. Even if he's not shooting the ball well, he'll still find ways to impact uh, and get this team scoring. It's nice. It's very nice. Let's see if it holds up. Yeah, hopefully. I, I'll, one thing I'll watch is his two-point percentage. He's 51.6% from two this year. His first two Buck seasons, he was 56%, 54.7%. And I think a lot of stuff was weird about the Bucks last year. I would hope, I will hope, not that I would hope. It makes it sound like I need it to happen. But it would be interesting if he climbed back up to above 55% on those twos now that Chris is back and just – there's so much more space in the offense. We always talk about – and, like, clearly it's good for Giannis too, right? Giannis got 40. I think Giannis's life is going to be a lot easier. Hopefully we see his usage trend down. I do not want him to lead the league in usage given the Bucks are 
you know, let that happen in the finals. That doesn't need to happen in December and November. But we always talk about Giannis with spacing conversations, right? Like, oh, we need spacing, so life is easier for Giannis. You know, Drew could use some spacing too, right? Like everyone on offense is going to be better with more spacing. So I think even outside of the 17 and 7, the impact of Chris Middleton should help everyone in theory at least. I mean, there's variance outside of this. But with Chris versus without Chris, offense should be easier for everyone. For with sure. Rules. For sure. Yeah. Like it's 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 really it's really nice. I just I don't know. I just I need more I need more games of Chris Middleton in this yeah, I know. time. I know I just I need see more this week. Yeah. Uh hopefully there's not gonna be any uh games missed unless it's like a back to back. Are there any back to backs this week? I don't think so. Uh Monday and Wednesday were not. I didn't look farther than that. Yeah, so we should we should theoretic theoretically wow, I struggled with that. Get at least two Sunday games. Scary's hitting. Yeah. <laughs> Get at least two more games of Chris Middleton uh before we record next. But uh yeah. do we have anything else we need to touch on here? Tonight? Let's do the champagne bros quickly as we just kind of walk through the team. Uh Bobby and Pat. Bobby, it's like his nineties game, man. The shot still kind of a question mark, but he did step up real nicely against Charlotte, and he continues to rebound the ball, score around the basket, etc. Pat just still feels like the same. I like what I'm seeing. He's rusty, but still just waiting for him to knock it off. I'm not not concerned yet, but where, where are you at? I guess we can look frame it by concern. Bobby's shot no, I'm not. versus yeah. Pat. No, Bobby's shot versus Pat. Are you concerned about either? Where are you at on both? Um, I mean, I'm probably a little more concerned about Bobby's shot. I'm not really super concerned about Pat. Um, because we we've seen him time and time again, like get out of shooting slumps, um, uh, and just be able to step up in the highest moments. Like we we've seen that. Um Bobby, it's just like I'm glad he's finding ways to be more productive, even if his three-point shot isn't there. Like he's still managing to get those little hook shots, those little runners, little push shots to go. Get those face-up jumpers to drop. Uh, he's mixing in some turnaround fades on occasion, which is like, you do that. Like you're you're a you're a big guy. <laughs> like, Don't put him in a box, Rohan. I, I I just like you weaponize your size, you know. Um, it's but that's probably what I'm mostly more concerned about. But even that, I'm not really super duper concerned with that because like we like i just said he's still finding ways to be effective his rebounding is ridiculous like his offensive rebounding is ridiculous this season um it's just he's one of the most productive rebounders in the league and it's just it's just he he's still finding ways to be effective still finding ways to impact the team in a in a positive manner and so i i can't really be mad at it. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. And I agree, you know, it's it's nice to see I think both guys more or less finding ways to have positive impacts even if the three-point shot for Pat kind of any shot, but especially the three-point shot not falling. I think that is it then. Oh, real quick. I I set it up top, the giveaway. So yeah. if you have not yet participated, this is for podcast listeners only. We're not putting it out there on social any of that stuff. It's for real pod listeners. So if you tuned in and you said, I like the pod, and you want to win a signed Wisconsin Herd basketball, it's too far away for me to grab it. I did show it on a past episode. It does exist. All you have to do is by, I said, Monday, December 19th, 
Yes, by end yes. of day, Monday, December 19th. Join the Discord, GSPN Discord. Link is in the link tree, uh, in uh, gspn.info. You can find Discord access there. It's easier than ever now. There is a giveaways channel. All you got to do is go in there, drop your favorite. can be Eurostep, Winning Six, GSPN Bucks Collab, Cruising for a Bruising, Talking to Tundra, make time for this, whatever pod it is. Drop your favorite GSPN memory, joke, bit, thing, like trait, stuff that we do, whatever it is. Uh, the responses have been really cool to read through. We very much appreciate everyone entering and, and sharing. And if you want to do so, it's that easy. Go win a herd basketball, potentially, that we will ship out the week before Christmas. That can be our Christmas present to you. So, yeah, that's the giveaway. Take part in that, please. For sure. It's it's just it's so nice to see like these uh, these entries and see what people are loving about uh Loving about this time of year. And also, shout out to everyone who had this in their Spotify wrapped. Yes. Also, like, it's Great just, call. it's amazing, amazing to see. Thank you for sharing. Uh, just, just warms my heart time. It, it makes me feel all emotional. There's hundreds of people who have us and they're at least top 10. I think also hundreds in, in top five. That's so cool. Right. Thank you. And that's only Spotify. Like, oh man, I'm getting warm and fuzzy, Rohan. I know it's hard not. How can you not be romantic about podcasting? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you, thank you all for listening. Make sure you enter that giveaway. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this, watching this on YouTube. Check out all of the GSPN pods at gspn.info. Leave a five star rating and review on your podcast platform of choice, Pod Random, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>